Thanks everybody for tuning in on the short thing. Today is Monday, April 26th. Warren and Ryan here with you and special guest Jake Tinker from the podcast, The Cowboys Life, as the draft is on Thursday. So we'll be talking lots of NFL draft today. You can check them out on Twitter as well, at A Cowboys Life. You can check us out as always on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the iHeartRadio uh, app as well. Uh, Ryan, before we get into it, the FCS playoffs were this weekend. They were. Uh, how would your picks do? Because I know my picks did not go very well. They didn't. They did not. Oh, that's a, that's unfortunate. I faded uh, the Dakotas, and or I faded the North Dakota schools, and let me tell you, it did not work out well. Uh, you know what? I was on the baseball field all day yesterday, so I um, have not looked. We'll get a... We'll get a little uh, update maybe halfway through. So I I totally forgot uh, to double check them, but uh, we we can we can check it out and get it back on on track here in a sec. All right, I just checked yesterday morning because the games were on Saturday, so I did not know what uh, was going on. But uh, goose egg delight for uh, the Dakota uh, Missouri State Bobby Petrino pretty much fell off a motorcycle again. They got beat forty four to ten. Um. And uh, one other thing, Jake, sorry, a little cleanup. I want to say I caddied in the USGA women's four ball this week. It was at Merido. Yeah, uh, how was that? It was a delight. What a delight. Um, we did not make the cut. Our team did not make the cut. I caddied for Shelly Edwards and Aaron Houtsma. They're from, uh, Shelly's from Boulder, Colorado. Her husband's a golf coach at Colorado University. They got the Pac-12 championship starting today. And then Aaron's from Denver. She played on the uh, women's uh, team for Colorado. They are in their uh, early 40s. So this tournament, they were, I think, the fourth oldest team in the competition. Uh, So this tournament was pretty much college kids and high schoolers. And then they were, like, sprinkled into this tournament. And it was at Merido. You've played Merido before, right, you said? I I have, yeah. Um, What? They were playing about 6,300 yards, and then the wind was out of the north on Saturday. And we got off to a little bit of a shaky start, but rallied for even through eight. And then we played holds 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. We're all straight into the north wind. Did not go well for us, and that pretty much uh, took the chance, took the, not the life out of the sails, but it was a big detriment as we bogeyed those five in a row. Um, But... What a great time I had with them. They were, uh, they were great, um, great people to be around for four days with the two in the practice round. And it's just, uh, we played in the practice round with like a high schooler. I've, I've talked a lot about high school golf and college golf with Ryan before with being, seeing these guys that are extremely talented. The ladies are just as as talented and they hit the ball far. This one Girl, Megan Royal, I think is her name is. I can't remember her last name. But she was hitting the ball. She sent her yardages to a caddy that works at Merido. She said her driver is like 265, 270. And, like, she was hitting drives, and I was like, yep, that's where I'm That's where I'm about. Or I've been there before on those holes. These high school girls hit it a mile in the air. It was unbelievable. It's not uh, the old stigma of uh, the LPGA Tour girls just hit it straight and uh, knock it on the green and it's boring golf anymore, is it? They can absolutely get after it. No, no. they. It was it was amazing. Now, I will say the difference in consistency, though, for the ladies at, say, 16, 17 in that high school range beginning at college is is still a little bit behind the guys that have that I've seen play that are their same age, like the consistency and the short games, there's a there's a difference there. Obviously because part of it is they can't just generate the the speed to get the spin on the ball, but at that age. But like the length was was eye opening. There was a the, one of the girls we were paired with in the tournament, she's twenty six, but she was hitting the ball three hundred yards off the tee. Like I was yep. sh- going back and shooting shooting the distances from like the T post where they were at. <laughs> it's like 300 yards. And we were just like, we were, uh, it was, it was a sight to see. I, it was, I was not expecting some 300 yard drives out of, out of them, but I was, uh, it was, 
Yeah. You're not starting up any money games with them anytime soon, huh, Warren? No, <laughs> I'm not going to be starting up any uh, any money games with them soon. But uh, the the summer or the match play starts today. We didn't make it to match play, but uh, we still had a good time. Aaron's dad was caddying for her, and he is a he's a character. He was he was hilarious. He just I'm a serial ball talker. He just put me to shame. Like he, he might put speed to shame on talking to balls and talking to shots. Like it was, now it that's was, impressive. It was quite impressive. It was quite impressive. The, uh, the four days he was talking, even the practice round talking to balls and it was, it was quite, uh, it was a quite impressive, uh, four day performance out of, uh, out of her dad for, uh, for talking to the ball. But it was, uh, it was quite a, quite an enjoyable day. And I said, I was talking to Ryan off the air that I was glad I was paired with someone that was not like, not saying I wouldn't have enjoyed catting for someone that was in high school or just in college, but it just, it was, I've, I, it was more comfortable. I would feel catting for, for uh, who I did Shelly Edwards. And it was a very enjoyable, uh, very enjoyable time. Very happy with who I got to pair it with. So, uh, yes, yeah, so I wanted to say that. Uh, enjoyable weekend. All right, let's get to the draft. The draft is on Thursday. The Cowboys, they pick number 10 and lots of options they can go with. But first, Jake, what are your just overall going into the draft, your overall thoughts? I think everybody thinks the Cowboys want to go defense, but just your overall thoughts going into the draft where they pick 10, where probably not a lot of people think thought they were going to be picking starting uh, last September. No doubt about it. The, the first thing about this draft that strikes me is it's so deep defensively, which works out great for this team. Um, so when you can – and really what they need is they need plug-and-play players that they can draft right in day one and come in and make a difference on this football team. And the good news is there's lots of them. Um, it'll be very interesting to see if they stay at 10 or if they trade down to try to get more stock in this draft. Yeah, what do you uh, what do you think? Uh, what would you prefer? Because I think I, I think I would prefer. See, I'm always leery of trading down because if you get, you could get a really good player at ten, especially depending where the quarterbacks go. You could theoretically be the first team that takes a defensive player. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. I think Detroit will probably be the team that takes the defensive player first, but you could get like a top three defensive player, two defenses have the second pick for the best defensive player out there. Or I think I would be fine if they say traded to number like the 13 to 17 range trade down. I'd be fine with that. And they pick up an extra third round pick or another second round pick. Um, because they do have so many holes and there's something I want to get your th- I'm going to ask later, but that they could maybe use that extra pick, uh, to do what, where do you stand on that? Uh, I think there's definitely a conversation to be had that they need to get as much value out of this draft and players to put in right now as possible. But personally, I don't like trading down at 10. I've always supported the thought that you take the best player. And in my mind, there's two guys that are neck and neck. Patrick Sertain, Alabama, dad played in the league and was a great player. Uh, we did pretty well with Trayvon Diggs last year, so the Alabama quarterback cornerbacks work out. Uh, but J.C. Horn is also coming out of South Carolina, is just as talented as Sertain, in my opinion. Um, J.C.'s dad played in New Orleans and was a four-time pro bowler under Mike McCarthy which I think is a pretty cool connection. So uh, Mike McCarthy definitely knows J.C. Horn, and I'm sure put some calls into his dad. Um, but that's what I'm hoping they do, Warren. I mean, I just think you need one more cornerback that can get out there and make plays. Because Diggs is good, and you've got your veteran guys and Jordan Lewis and um, uh, and Anthony Brown, excuse me. I always call him Smiley. So that was the first, uh, first name that came into my mind. Um, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do here. Um, I, I hope they get certained, but I could see him going before 10 as well. Yeah. So a, a lot of the talk has been, um, 
obviously about that first pick for the Cowboys. Now, I'm more interested in, not more interested, but just as interested in the second round pick because uh, they're picking, I believe, 44. And, you know, secondary is still the biggest issue that they uh, that they uh, need to address. Now, there's a ton of safeties that are in that first half of that second round range. Is there anywhere that they go secondary, secondary with those first two picks? Or do you think maybe they go uh, another option where maybe they can maybe get a tackle that might have slid or there's a couple guards kind of in that area just to kind of solidify that offensive line? Right. If they do end up drafting one of the cornerbacks in the first round, I don't see them going back and getting another cornerback. Um, the two names that come to mind for me in the second are Carlos Basham, Boogie Basham out of Wake Forest. He's a defensive end. He's 6'5", 275, and can absolutely move. Um, so I think to pair that with Demarcus Lawrence would be really good for the second round. Um, I've also heard some rumors of going offensive tackle to help grab some depth depth for this team. Uh, Jalen Mayfield out of Michigan. Yeah. Uh, cool thing about Jalen Mayfield is he's a swing tackle uh, with, with Tyron Smith on this team and Connor Williams on this team. Who knows where you're going to need help on that offensive line during this season. So the swing tackle pick makes a lot of sense to me. Well, I've thought I've heard Walker little too. He's been, a lot of a lot of talk with him that they maybe you just take the tackle in the third round with him. He's the guy from Stanford that got hurt in 2019, opted out in 2020, and would have been like a first round pick in uh, 2020 or or this coming year if he was healthy. But there's no, he hasn't played in two years, so so guys don't know about him. That's why he's going down in the third round. I I like that pick, and this team is known for doing that. I mean, Jalen Smith was a huge risk. Um, you know, Lyle Collins obviously wasn't hurt, but had his own set of issues coming into the draft and slid all the way down. Um, you know, Jerry and this team do their research and get to know guys. And if they think uh, Walker can come out of that injury and be the man, uh, then I'm all for it. Plus, Stanford's always good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they run that pro-style offense, obviously, uh, you know, Good, good uh, offensive line play comes out of there uh, quite often. Now, there's there can't be any chance that they try to add an offensive weapon as far as a wide receiver, right? Especially in those early rounds. I mean, this offensive, the, the, these weapons they have are great now. I mean, you you got to start drafting for need if you're the Cowboys, right? You can't just go out and get the new shiny toy because, I mean, even that second, third round, there's going to be some guys that are dudes, that are playmakers on that offensive side of the ball. They get the ball in their hands. They can go make plays, things like that. I mean, for Jerry and, and Steven and who else, whoever else is making the decision, Mike McCarthy, they got to be focusing. This has got to be a defensive-heavy draft, correct? No doubt. Uh, there's absolutely the only offensive player I could see them taking before, you know, let's say the fifth round is Kyle Pitts. If Kyle Pitts falls to 10, I mean, it's not a pick that I, I support or that I hope they do, but I mean, he's a generational talent. So when you get a chance to maybe draft Travis Kelsey, it's really hard not to. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what they do there. Um, but I don't have him falling that far. I mean, if he makes it to 10, it'll be shocking. Well, I got. One of the things I was going to bring up, so Michael Gallup's in the last year of his contract. Do you, first of all, do you think you're, they're going to resign him? Because do we need to pay, do they need to a resign him? I think Gallup's a great player, but do you want to have all that money tied up in the wide receiver position when we're seeing all these guys come in and the wide receivers are only going to be it's going to be as deep a position as it is going forward because all these kids are so talented coming into the draft playing wide receiver. So do you re-sign him? I would say no, probably they should not re-sign him to keep some space open. Why not if this draft is so so, uh, so deep at receiver? Why not take a receiver, say, in the third, another third-round guy? And, hey, maybe you know what? If you don't re-sign Gallup, you could, hey, maybe trade Gallup this season, and then, and that rookie goes in there. And then for Gallup, I don't know, you could probably get a fourth-round pick for Michael Gallup. So then you get an extra pick there to work on the defensive side. I, I don't think they should be so – I understand defense, 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 defense. They need a lot of help on defense. But I don't think I'd be so short-sighted in that let's not maybe take an offensive guy until the fifth round or the sixth round because – with Gallup coming up and after Gallup, I don't know. I don't think I really like the receivers they have on the roster. I wouldn't be so hesitant to take, to take a receiver and say that third, that third, fourth round. 
And I definitely see what you're saying. It, it, I've heard Michael Gallup trade rumors. Um, I don't know exactly how much you get out of him. It probably depends a little bit on how he plays this year and if someone really needs a big receiver like him. Um, the receivers I see the Cowboys targeting in this draft are kind of more of the slot guys, your uh, Cole Beasleys, if you will. Uh, there's a kid out of UNT, my alma mater named Jalen Darden, and he is lightning fast. He's about five foot eight, um, borderline Tyreek Hill. And I think they can get him in the fifth, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, the fourth, another name that comes to mind is Daz Newsom, yeah, North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, guys, and we're seeing this league go this way, uh, you know, getting away from the Julio Jones type receivers of you need to be 6'3 and have a 40 inch vertical. Um, But can you beat a linebacker? Can you beat a cornerback in single coverage and get open? And these guys can do that. Um, And like you said, uh, Warren, the this team is full of Amari Cooper, CD Lamb and Michael Gallup, guys who get down the field. We got plenty of that. So I'd like to see them give someone else for Dak to toss it to, as opposed to just the two running backs and uh, tight ends. Yeah, I think as we see the game kind of open up more offensively, we're going to kind of see the game uh, lean more towards the type of guys of, you know, you're still going to have your Amaris, your, you know, your Julio Jones, your, your, your big athletic freaks. Uh, that hit the genetics lottery, but more so these guys that get the ball in their hands and just let them work in open space, right? You know, uh, obviously you're going to still have your burners, but I, I think more because teams are, are starting to find a way uh, to to kind of make it work. You, you think of guys out in San Francisco, you know, a couple of their wide receivers, uh, a guy that was with Carolina that's now with the Washington football team in in uh, Curtis Samuel. It's like get the ball. They're just offensive weapons where, you know, just get the ball in their hands, let them work with open space. And I think that would be a nice piece for uh, the Cowboys to have if they had to add something to this offense I think it's a guy like that you know obviously the running game is still a question mark with Zeke and with uh, Tony Pollard obviously a lot of that has to do with the offensive line but because they have so many guys with with Gallup uh, Cooper and CD that we mentioned they don't really have that kind of Swiss army knife a, a do-it-all type of guy would you agree uh, definitely you know and I think obviously going back two or three years now you wouldn't have paid uh Cole Beasley what he got in Buffalo because that was a huge contract but that is a need on this team if you can't you know if you're backing people up all day with Amari and CD what is open on the field and it's the under all the time so who Mm. are you throwing that under to man if and just like you said if you can get some people in open space that can make moves I mean they can change games yeah no for, for sure Jalen uh Jalen Darden, all the UNT boys are he's he's great. I'm not saying I watched some UNT this year. He is great, but the UNT uh the UNT students that were in the media now that are in the local media here, that is that's gotta be the dream choice, right? Him for the Cowboys and say like the fifth or sixth round. Uh it definitely is for me. The only uh other UNT guy directly associated with the Cowboys is Kyle Umans, who I played some uh intramural basketball with back in the day, and he does podcasts uh for the Cowboys now. And he did not have Jalen Darden on his list. I was surprised to see. Um, but I don't know how you can not have him on your list. He's so exciting. When you see him break away like that, I mean, if he can pull it off in the NFL and create space, whew. Now, yeah. do you think the Cowboys? Oh, sorry, Ron, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Well, I just want to kind of shift gears now. Um, you know, obviously the the DAC injury was catastrophic and nobody saw that coming. Uh, but then you saw how bad the need for a decent backup quarterback was. Do you think they addressed that in the draft at all in those fifth, sixth, seventh rounds where you got some guys that I like? Uh, you know, a couple of Texas guys and, and Shane Bouchelle. Uh, you know, I wouldn't prefer Sam Ellinger for this offense, but maybe like a, a KJ Costello. I know uh, Warren likes out of Mississippi State. Some I would guys... say I like him. He should flashed one game, and then he was in the toilet after that. But buddy, you were hyping him up like he was going to be. The Did you next... watch him play the LSU? Go put on that LSU tape. You think the but, guy's going to win far, the Heisman Trophy? As far as far as arm talent, a guy that can make passes. You know, if you take a flyer on a sixth or seventh round pick, I wouldn't be upset if 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 I'm a Cowboys fan. Uh, you know, the guy looked like he could make some throws. Looks like he was competent enough at quarterback you know mississippi state isn't always dealing with the best talent out on the field so you know that's probably strapping one hand behind his back um but uh, a lot of <laughs> i know that was just a direct <laughs> shot right at you that's all i was doing there um uh, but do you, but uh back to my original question do you think that they try to address that at all in in the draft kind of maybe take a flyer on a late round guy or do you think they're uh gonna kind of look for that uh backup quarterback maybe you know after camp cuts training camp cuts whatever it might be 
I do think they address it. I think uh, as much as they've given Ben DiNucci a chance, they're looking for someone else that can come in and be a serviceable, serviceable backup for Dak. Um, the name I keep hearing is Ian Book out of Notre Dame. Yeah. Um, I did not mu- watch much Notre Dame football this year, but apparently he's a standout passer, um, and he's real smart and ready to go into a pro system and at least learn behind Dak. Um, so uh, I'm all for it. Uh, I, I don't see how you, like you said, if Dak does go down again, where are we? What are we doing with this team? And you want to get someone in there that can at least try to go 500 and win some games for you. Yeah, I actually like that Ian Book pick. Uh, Warren and I got to watch him at a couple Cotton Bowls here. Uh, one the playoff game against Clemson, and then uh, last no uh, was it last year that we watched him as well, Warren? No, we only saw him that one year. We had virtual access this past year for the Rose. That's right, it was virtual access. But uh, he he made a huge jump this year. Uh, as far as his skill and his level play, he the the year again it, with that uh, they played Clemson, very good quarterback. He's mobile. He can make the uh, you know move the pocket a little bit. He can make a play outside the pocket. He can run the you know make the uh, take the ball down the field with his legs as well. Um, so I think that Ian Bookpig is great. He kind of had a, a, a you know so so year in 2019, but last year I think he really showed that uh, he took that step forward. And I think what probably fifth or sixth round is probably where he'll be available. I don't hate that pick at all for them. Well, and you got to get a kid in here to learn, learn the yeah. system and take a chance. I mean, how many quarterbacks have we seen go in five, six and seven and come out and be uh, absolute stars? Mm-hmm. Plus, the Notre Dame system works. I mean, we've had good quarterbacks come out of Notre Dame, the, uh, the maybe the greatest quarterback of all time, Joe Montana. So uh, there's something to be said about that. Uh, the, the prestige of going to a school like Notre Dame. Well, Ian Book, too, I had a chance to interview him, and he he kind of plays with a chip on his shoulder. Like, he was, you know, kind of playing the part of underdog, which when they were playing Clemson, they absolutely were. But he he definitely was like, hey, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to give my best shot. And if I if I can give them my best shot, we got a great chance to win. And he kind of played with that savvy and that chip on his shoulder. And he even said it as much. So, you know, I do play with a chip on my shoulder, and I expect to win every time I step on the field. And, you know, sometimes with these guys, you can kind of, like, see through it. Like, okay, that's that's what you're supposed to say. But for whatever reason, when he delivered it, I was like, yeah, you know what? I believe you. I, you know, I still think Clemson's probably going to win this ball game, But, uh, you know, I, I definitely believe that. If you can give them your best shot, you guys are going to have a great chance. And, unfortunately, he wasn't able to give them this best shot but still like i said just that savvy and that want to win and and uh expect to win type mentality something that you gotta love especially these late round guys that maybe not always have the talent to to uh to back it up but they you know they'll give it your all so i mean i think that's a great guy and i guess you can say his game is a little similar to dak because he is so mobile and can really hit those uh you know short to medium passes pretty much with ease well, and I think it works well when you get uh, uh, your quarterback and your veteran quarterback teaching a guy with similar traits and abilities. Yeah, absolutely. To himself. So that that could be a good pick. Um, and I mean, how much fun would it be for Ian Book and the and the situation? Obviously, that no one wants to see where Dad goes down again to throw to these three receivers. <laughs> yeah. That would be great for Ian Book, but didn't we also say that about Ben DiNucci? I know Ian Book is a better player than Ben DiNucci, but we all thought, oh. Man, Danucci, this is going to be great for him. And he was just, he was not very good. Gucci no Danucci doubt. was not very Gucci out there. <laughs> I mean, I think there was a reason why he was a, you know, a Division One AA football player versus, you know, some of these D1 single-A guys, the FBS versus the FCS. I think that, I think that shined through pretty clearly uh, this season. No, for sure. But I also was, but that was also like, hey, you had the pick of the litter at court of those seventh round quarterbacks. I don't know who was available in the seventh round, but like McCarthy went and took him. Well, because there's a little bit of nepotism there or something, right? Well, he just he he ran into him in the elevator. I think the story was, and then some family member coach. There's some family like long tie, I think, with McCarthy yeah. or something like that. Isn't that right? Yeah, there's something like that. I hadn't heard that yet, but it doesn't surprise me. McCarthy's been in football for so long that every time I look into someone, it seems like he knows them or knows their dad. Yeah, I think like Danucci, so he was here for the FCS championship game, and it was like, oh, McCarthy saw him in the elevator, and they started talking, and his dad might have played like, coached, might have coached him in like eighth grade basketball or uh, something, something weird. I don't know, some, some weird story. But Ryan, I'm surprised. So, Ryan, for you, Cowboys late-round quarterbacks, Ian Book, and then obviously your boy, Sam Ellinger. 
Well, I want Sam Ellinger to go to a different NFC East team. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so you know, that's that's why I kind of held off there. All right, Jake, hold on. We gotta ask. We gotta ask him, right, Ryan? Yeah, absolutely. Have right. to. So Ryan made the bold claim on this show last year that Sam Ellinger is a better quarter. He would be a better quarterback for the Raiders. Let me get that is correct. That is what you said, right? Yeah, the Raiders would be a better team with Sam Ellinger at quarterback than they are with Derek Carr. Do you agree or disagree with that? That's a hard one for me. Uh, The fact that it's even hard, that's a win for me. I'll take that. No, it's not. He said it's hard for him to agree. No, it's hard for him to make the choice is how I took it. Uh, well, it's both. I would say I, 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 I have little to no belief in Derek Carr, but Thank he you. has put up numbers in this league, whether, Thank you know, you. you think it translates to wins. I don't know, but Sam Ellinger, I mean, I watched some UT football, my whole family's big UT guys. So I watched Sam play and he's got some skill. He's got a little swagger. So, uh, it would be very interesting to see him with, uh, uh, Oh, wow, I'm totally blanking on the uh, Raiders. Raiders coach. Oh, John Gruden. Um, thank you. With Gruden. You know, I think Ellinger could be a guy that Gruden just loves. I can just hear him in his Gruden voice talking about Sam Ellinger's swagger. So who knows, man? Uh, I, I can't say I disagree or agree heavily. Hopefully they draft him and we get to see. <laughs> that, would, I, that would be ideal if they drafted him. That'd but be no, the ultimate totally... victory dance for me. Huh? I, I said that'd be the ultimate victory lap for me if he ended up being the starter, at least winning some games. I mean, they've only got to win nine games. It's not really, it's, uh, it's the, the bar has been low, partly because of coaching. Derek Carr stinks. Huh? Partly because Derek Carr stinks. Well, and partly because John Gruden just a bad football coach in the 2021 <laughs> NFL. Um, but, seriously. uh, huh? <laughs> What'd you say, Jake? I missed it. Sorry. That, I said, seriously, it doesn't seem, you know, with all the clout that he has and all the offensive skill and experience, you think that that team would take off a little more than they have, but it hasn't been like his days in uh, Tampa Bay. They just traded away like their whole offensive line. And that was like the strength of the team. There was a, a physical football team that's going to run the ball. And then they just trade like four of the five starting offensive linemen in the offseason or like cut a couple guys too. Like that didn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah, and then they brought in Kenyon Drake, too, to take away carries from Josh Jacobs, who's been an outstanding young running back so far. Yeah, I didn't understand that move at all either, so I don't know what they're doing over there in, uh, in Raiders territory. That's probably what happens when you hire a TV GM and a TV coach, but uh, <laughs> let's probably uh, save that for another time. So let's go back to the first round that that 10th pick. Is – the best case scenario has to be the quarterbacks. Is the best case scenario all the the quarterbacks go one, two, three, four, and then Jamar Chase goes five. All those offensive players go before number ten, or is it? Hey, maybe one or two of those quarterbacks start to slide, and teams are waiting, waiting, waiting. And I know you're against trade down, but say Fields and Lance are sitting there at ten, or Fields or Lance are sitting there at ten, or whoever it is. And the Cowboys can train back, and then they could they could maybe get a little more than what they offered for for a team coming up, depending where they're going. What do you think? I think I know where you're going to say the ideal situation is, but I think those have to be two pretty pretty rosy pictures for the Cowboys if that's how the draft goes. It, it will be interesting to see if they get to ten and they want to make the trade because I I don't see Fields going before ten, so I think you could trade the tenth pick to. The Bears, New England Patriots, uh, the Vikings, uh, you know, any of those teams are suitors if you want to get more picks in this draft, which it's hard to argue with. If you can score 35 points a game all you want, but if you can't stop anyone, then how do you win games? So you got to plug in. You got to plug in as many rookies as you can onto this defense to try to win. So if they trade down, I understand. Um, But uh, it's it's not what I would do personally. Speaking in hypotheticals, if if uh, you know if the quarterbacks still are sitting there at ten, which I, I see it hard to believe with Denver sitting there, Carolina still might take a quarterback even though they got Darnold. Um, but if if for whatever reason New England's able to jump up and grab a quarterback at ten, he move back to fifteen. You can still probably get at least J.C. Horn at that spot. Correct? Would you agree with that? 
I think it'll be very close. Yeah, I think if you move to 14 um, with Minnesota, I believe you can grab J.C. Horner, hopefully. And if you do that, then I think that it's it's it was a great move because everything I'm reading says there's not a whole lot of difference in Sertain and Horner. Yeah, but, but if have pluses minus, if they do drop back to that 20 spot, you're probably looking at Caleb Farley. How how do you feel about that? I like Caleb Farley too, just based off of his athletic ability. That uh-huh. speed is crazy, and I yeah. know you had a surgery and he's got issues. And uh, once again, we've seen the Cowboys take that risk. And if Will McClay and Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones decide to move down and draft Caleb Farley, I don't think anyone should be upset about it. Yeah, no, I know the injury issues have, have come up, but I, like you said, the guy's a freak athlete, and so I don't think you can argue, uh, you know, taking him, and especially if you get some some draft capital in the process of him, you still get you know a, a big time corner, a big time athlete on that team in a spot that you need it, and you get a few extra picks. Like I said, I think that that I think that could be best of both worlds right there. Uh, I, I definitely agree. There's just so many defensive tackles, defensive ends, and corners in this draft to help this team make a playoff run. Uh, mm-hmm. It sounds a little crazy, but you, you make the right seven picks here, eight picks, depending on if you trade down, you could do it. Well, defensive tackle is pretty deep in the middle of the, in the middle rounds of the draft. Not really up, up at the top. There's not that, that true stud defensive tackle or really even defensive end. As we talked about last week, that there's no Bosa, the Bosa brothers aren't here. Miles Garrett or, Chase Young, that's there's not a defensive end like that in the draft, but the depth, I would probably have to say at both of uh, the defensive end and defensive tackles, that always is a good thing when you got some picks in the middle round that it's a it's a that's where the depth is and you can get uh, you can get those positions of needs in there. And and like you said, I think the reason there's not as many first and even second round ends or tackles is because a lot of these guys are very raw. You've got these athletes that are making plays and have crazy bodies. I mean, there's one of these guys that they, uh, the Ohio State kid, Tommy Togia, 40 bench press reps, guys, at 225. I mean, he's got some slow feet. He's got footwork issues, but that's a guy who can plug a hole. That's a guy who can make a difference at your one technique. So you're not drafting these studs, but you are drafting something that that this team needs to fill and run stopping. I watched a lot of Ohio State football, and uh, Big Tommy there, he was one of the strongest players in college football, if not one, of, if not the strongest. He, You could watch him against – he didn't play in the national championship game, which was a real shame. I think he was out with, uh, with COVID, but he did play against Clemson, and he was just a dominant figure, just causing pressure up the middle uh, all night long on, on, on Trevor Lawrence, and he is – he is a guy that I think I would be all in all for. I know he's a little undersized, but that strength is something that definitely makes up for the uh, for what is he like five eight? I think they say right um, um, for not being the tallest or not being the biggest uh, athlete out there. He's a strong, strong man. Well, and can make a difference both in in pressure and stopping the run. When he can get in there and take that center and move him four feet backwards, it's a lot easier for the guys on the edge to do what they want to do. For sure, he's six one actually, boy, off by uh, <laughs> off by a lot. There, I thought he was shorter, but he's a uh, he's a uh, he's no, he's a he's a strong uh, strong guy. There is there from a broader perspective of the draft. Are we? Are you convinced that the 49ers are A, picking Matt Jones or B, picking a quarterback at all with the third pick? What if they traded up for Kyle Pitts and this is like the greatest smokescreen ever? That would be something. Um, I don't think Shanahan is happy with Garoppolo. So I see him picking Mac Jones or Zach Wilson, whichever one drops to three. Um, And I think both those guys can – really make plays in this league, especially Zach Wilson. Now, I don't think the, the Jets will mess that up, but who knows, man? We see shocking picks in, uh, with quarterbacks all the time. Look where Mahomes went. Yeah. Trubisky. Yeah, tr- freaking Mitchell Trubisky. Hard to be a Bears <laughs> fan. Uh, I, I felt like there was a little pain behind that. Are you, uh, did you grow up a Bears fan or anything? No, I am actually. Okay. I grew up a Chiefs fan. 
So oh, that okay. worked out great for me. Yeah, that was that, that that did play out in your favor. Uh what about the linebacker position for the Cowboys? Are they gonna address that at all? Obviously, uh Leighton Vanderish banged up quite a bit. Uh Jalen Smith, you know, they've seen the, both those guys really seen their ups and downs thus far in their in their careers. And then uh I don't is Sean Lee back on the roster? I mean, you can't count on him no, to play more. He can't count on him either way. So do they address the linebacker position here in the draft too? And if so, how, what round or how early do you think? Cause they, there's also quite a few linebackers in that second round uh, area. Think of uh, Baron Browning from Ohio state. Uh, I don't know. I've seen Dylan Moses from Alabama kind of fluctuating between the second and third round. I can't really get a good feeling on him. Jabril Cox out of LSU. Like there's a couple big time linebackers in that second round, second to third round range that you could probably go out and get that are some athletes. No doubt. The the name that comes to mind for me, for me, and it's a it's a dream pick here, and maybe I'm uh, being too hopeful, but the Nick Bolton out of Mizzou falls to the third round. He probably goes in two, but I think he can make a real uh, a difference with these linebackers. I mean, Leighton and Jalen are who they are. Hopefully Leighton gets better this year and deals with whatever injuries he is working on, and they're still kind of weird about talking about that i'm not sure whether it's a neck thing or if he's got some kind of vertigo going on um, and then jalen smith there's rumors of him getting cut but i don't see it happening uh he's a veteran on this team he's now a year under mike mccarthy and dan quinn's defense um, plus they've got luke gifford um, and a couple other guys but i think there is a need at linebacker um, and you've hoped to fill it in the third or fourth round do you think it's interesting how the Cowboys and say other teams like some teams value the linebacker position and then there are some teams that are like, yeah, oh, you know what? We'll find just a replacement level linebacker position. We're only going to play two linebackers on the field, but we'll have three safeties on the field all the time now that the league is going in that way. Do you think that the Cowboys should the cow? I know they just hired Dan Quinn, but I feel like Dan Quinn is is more traditional football rather than hey, kind of new school. Analytically, those teams don't really care about the linebackers. We'll find some guys. Yeah, we might get be here, but we want position versatility, and that's what three safeties on the field gives us. And it gives them a, a bend don't break mentality, right? If you're planning on scoring thirty five points a game then you don't have to stop the other team from scoring that many times, right? Two or three stops on a bend, don't break. Just don't give up any big plays. And that's when you see those, those nickel sets and dime sets with lots of linebackers or lots of safeties and corners on the field. Um, so, it, and that's honestly where, why I see Nick Bolton fitting in there with the, with this crew is because he can run with some tight ends and running backs. Um, and right now I don't think Jalen Smith can some of them, um, but I think there is still some knee problems with Jalen. Uh, Layton's uh, good in coverage because of how tall he is, but he's not especially fast. Um, so it, it, it's a need they need to address. Um, but I'm not exactly sure where they're going to go with it because I do have them taking cornerback, defense vendor, defensive tackle in the first round and second round. And it's also a thing of, it's also like how much you have a first round pick in linebacker. You have what? What do they get, Jalen? A pick 34? something like that 35 like you already have you have a lot of high draft capital invested in the linebacker position do you really want to have hey our linebacking core is a first rounder a top of the second rounder and we got another second rounder like linebacker isn't really one of those i think premium positions offensive line you'd be fine with a bunch of first rounders corner i think you'd be fine with a bunch of first rounders i don't think linebacker is really a spot where you're like man we we have this high high draft capital that this is this is where we want to spend it and have have to have the need of like oh we got to play all these three guys like they're so we drafted them so much so high we need we need to get production out of them right well and then it's it's similar to for me to running back uh and if you're wasting a lot of high draft capital on a running back or a linebacker that is going to get hurt in the next three or four years probably it's 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 hard to do. There's more running backs coming in next year's draft and next year's draft and next year's draft. And we're seeing it now with Zeke. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, one of the freakiest running backs coming out of college we'd ever seen, came onto the scene, busted out like a beast in his first two years, and has slowed down tremendously. I think it's hard to be a running back or a linebacker in this in this league. 
And you know, when you're paying people that kind of money and they underperform their contract because they're hurt, then you've got problems in a salary cap league. Well, and you paid two of those guys at those positions early when you didn't really need to pay them because Zeke was going to play anyways. They were, he wasn't going to hold out. Or you call his bluff, and then Jalen Smith, you pretty much gave him, hey, we got they got too emotional with that decision and gave him the contract way too early. Probably. Uh, you know, I'm a Jalen Smith supporter, and uh, we actually are doing a podcast on him right, right now. So I'm rooting for Jalen, um, and we'll see. Hopefully he takes a step this year and can uh, play to that contract. Yeah, because like I said, he I, I would agree with with Warren a bit there that, that it was a little early. Even when I remember when they when they signed him and announced the contract, I was like, wow, that's you know, that's pretty quick. Um, but there, you know, there have been their ups and downs there. So earlier I asked, uh, and, and you just kind of reiterated that you said, you know, kind of the positions you expect them to attack in those first and second rounds. Uh, I mean, as far as depth goes, I mean, they there there really isn't even depth on that defensive side of the ball yet. So I mean, you got to assume that they're going to address secondary more than once in this in this draft. Would you agree with that? Definitely, definitely. Uh, now, do they go to the to draft? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think I think they do. No, you're you're totally good. I think that they do address address the safety position yeah. just because they're going to need more safeties to play the defenses that they're going to want to play. Um, and you know, it'll be interesting to see how Keno Neal fits into this defense. Um, I think obviously at free safety, so that knocks Xavier Woods to a backup. Um, but you know, everyone forgets Donovan Wilson last year at strong safety had a great year. I mean, he only played, I think the last eight games as a starter, but, uh, he had a good year, but I think, uh, you know, you draft someone, um, the name I have circled is, uh, the Syracuse kid. Um, everybody is Andre Cisco. Is that him? Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, it is. Tall, long, and looks for the ball. I love me some safeties that look for the ball, guys. And in, in a bend don't break D, there's plenty of room to play center field and go find the quarterback's eyes and get the ball. Um, so that would be awesome. The the, the uh, cons on him are just that as well. Looks for the quarterback's eyes too much and gets beat every once in a while. So it'd be interesting to see if they're just drafting to a bend don't break defense or are they going to try to bring some guys with athletic ability and playmaking ability onto this team. Well, that's been one of the things that has been lacking with the Cowboys defense the last couple of years is they really just don't get any turnovers. And is it because the guys are bad or they're just, well, partly because of that, but also they just, they just, they're just not making any plays and the guys are getting beat or it's a lot of boomer bust and they've been a lot of bust lately. So, Guys, I would rather have, say, hey, you could take, so Trayvon Diggs, we would call him, wouldn't you consider him a boomer bust corner? If they draft Sertan, Sertan has definitely playmaking skills, but he's definitely like the safer player. Like he's really not going to get beat. So at safety, look, if you have a guy like Cisco who's boomer bust, that's fine. Maybe your other safety, uh, Keanu Neal, like he's not going to, he's going to play a little more safe. So, if you have a couple of those guys out there, it's fine. But the whole defense, the whole back half can't be boom or bust. Another thing with the safety, the Cowboys don't draft the safety before like the fifth round, fourth round or fifth round. They haven't drafted one, I think, in what, like eight years, eight or nine years before the fourth round of safety. So this would definitely be a change of draft, draft philosophy if they drafted one in the second round or even third round. Because we've been talking about safety for, well, take, the, take Juan Thornhill, take this guy, take this guy. And they never do. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because those guys seem to make uh, huge differences in winning and losing ball games every year, right? Uh, Tyron Matthew, uh, whether he's in Tom Brady's face yelling at him or he's making a, catching an interception, the guy is making a play on basically every down. Um, so it is interesting that they they haven't seen a safety they like and brought him in. Yeah, when we like like Warren said, we've been we've been mentioning that uh, that position a lot. One guy that I was uh, wanted to kind of check in on to see if you said his name when you mentioned Andre Cisco, a guy that's not projected too much higher than him, Javon Holland in uh, safety out of Oregon. Do you think that's a possibility for them, or is he? You think he goes a little too early? Because I've seen him kind of creeping up draft boards, maybe in that second round, uh, early second round area, but also I've seen him fall in that mid to late second round area. So I'm not, I wasn't quite sure, but he was kind of one guy that I I kept my eye on because he's he's kind of been talked about quite a bit. Yeah, he's in that Nick Bolton uh, uh, wish list for me. If he yeah. can fall to the third, then mm -hmm. awesome. Snatch it up. And I don't think he will. Um, 
just because he's got so much talent. Uh, yeah. And there, there is so much need for corners in this league. But, man, wouldn't that be awesome if he slid to the third? And if they trade down, uh, maybe their pick's higher, high enough in the third to get him. So, True. Uh, yeah. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, well, I would say one of the guys, he's a hybrid, another guy from Syracuse. I'm, I'm, I've talked about him. I'm a big uh, Efiatu Melifonmu guy. He's tall. He's 6'2". He could play the safety. He could play the corner. I'm big on position versatility, if you haven't caught up on that right now. And he's a guy that checks the box of position versatility. I, he's second round, maybe third round. I think that's a guy that uh, you should have your eyes on. I think he's going to be pretty good. Uh, I couldn't agree more. I love the big, tall Richard Sherman-esque safeties. And I'm yeah. glad you uh, you took the shot there at pronouncing his name so I didn't have to, Warren. Well, I've been hyping him up. I've had to learn how to pronounce his name because that's one <laughs> of the guys that I've, uh, I've, uh, I've decided to uh, stake my flag on. I'm on his island. I, I'm on Efiatu's island. Um, but uh, all right, Ryan, do you have any uh, final questions for Jake here? No, I think that was great stuff, man. I appreciate your time. Hey, I appreciate uh, you guys having me on. Uh, and let's play some golf soon. We will have to do that. How would your back nine go at Trinity Forest the other day, last week? Uh, not as good as the front, but, uh, it was, it was fun being out there. The greens are so much fun to put on. So anytime I'm out on, out on that course, I'm having a great time. Um, also is there, okay. So you said we met last Monday. Did you say that you, you play in a league at Pecan Hollow, right? Uh, yeah, I have a Saturday morning <laughs> game. We just go, we, we play up there. All right. No, I'm not, unless you want me to tell the story, Ryan, I wasn't going to go with that. Okay. I thought that, that, that you were setting it up. No, it's, yeah, it doesn't matter, but I thought that's what you were setting up. No, I wasn't setting up. I was going to set up the guy I mentioned last week who was talking all this. Is there a guy that plays in the Saturday League? He used to be a former club pro. His name's like Eric something. Uh, not that I have played with out there. Okay, uh, but I th- think there is several groups Saturday morning. Okay, I don't know if they mixed it up or whatever um, in the uh, in the group, but okay, never mind that. Uh, but uh, all right, Jake, thanks for coming on. You can follow them on Twitter at uh, or why don't you give the plugs? I don't need to give the plugs. Uh, yeah, follow us on Twitter at a cowboy life doc, or a cow at a cowboy life pod. Um, and then the, the podcast is called A Cowboy Life on all podcast platforms, Spotify, social, uh, Apple Podcast. And yeah, we tell stories. So a little, uh, little different take on podcasting about the Cowboys. All right, everybody go check them out. And also everybody go start subscribing to Spotify so the Spotify owner can buy Arsenal and make more happy. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll be back on Thursday. Uh, have a great week.